This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. If you're new with us, uh, we, we're just a family. We love God, and because we love God, we, we, we love people, and we serve the world as the hands and feet of, uh, of Jesus. And, and we do, we meet together in the community in small groups throughout the week, but we love to come together on Sundays uh, when we can worship the Lord together corporately. Uh, if you're part of the Harvest family, what is our, what is our purpose? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through, number one, community. community. It's important. Number two, and number three, outreach. Guys, I'm so thankful that we have a family to come together with. In our world today, as I always say, things are, things are changing rapidly, but we are not of this world, and God's word never changes, and so we don't have to be shaken. Amen? God's word has an answer to every question, every doubt that we will ever have. So we have got to seek after him and know that we do not have to be shaken. 14 weeks ago, we started a message. We started a, a series on uh, Paul's letter to the church in the city of Ephesus that he helped found. And his point was to teach them and to reinforce them who they were in Christ, who they are in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that's very important? He does that through the first three chapters. Uh, in the last three chapters of the, the six-chapter book, he begins to give practical application of this truth in their everyday lives. And so we went through those first three chapters together over a few months, and we received, as we talked about, we received the input of the Word of God, right? And this is revealing, again, who we are in Christ Jesus. But now we need the wisdom to apply what we've learned into our everyday life. And that's what we begin to get as we, as we went into chapter 4 and went through chapter 5. And, he, and, and, and Paul doesn't kind of leave us high and dry on this. He begins to give us this practical application along the way. And so in chapter 4, he talked about how as the body of Christ in the world, we are one. That every member, that we all have gifts and callings that God expects us to step into to fulfill that purpose. That, that he's called us to grow and to walk in maturity. That, that he's given us a new nature, but it's our job to put that new nature on. He tells us that, that we have to be continually renewing our minds, Right? And then we go into chapter 5, and he begins to talk about how we're all in process, but we're to have no part in the things of the world with, with fornication, uncleanness, filthy and foolish talking, covetousness, these different things. He says that we're to step out of the darkness and step into the light. How many of you know we cannot fail if we walk in the light? We've got to learn God's will through his word and through his spirit, and he, he tells us to be constantly filled with the spirit. And we're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. But closer to the end of chapter 5, we talked about, it was actually two weeks ago, um, we began by talking about the difference between agape, unconditional love, and filio, that responsive love, right? And, and he gives us this analogy uh, and, with, um, between a husband and wife. Talking about our relationship with the Lord, he gives an analogy using the husband, a godly husband and wife relationship. And this is really cool because he's given us practical application in this natural life. And, and while it's an analogy, you also got to understand that Paul along the way is saying, you know, by the way, guys, if, if you want to please God, this is what your marriage should look like. If you want to please God, this is what your, how your relationship with your spouse should look like. If you want to please God, this is how you should raise your kids. If, if you want to please God, this is how you should work on your job. He gives us all these practical things to go along with it. And so in chapter 6, he continues in this same vein. Now, 
Uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and, and we will begin in verse 1. If you want to watch online, if you want to read online, um, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and hit uh, more and hit events, and you'll see it listed there if you have um, uh, notification services on. And there's also a, a QR code on the back of your chair in front of you. You can scan that, and the notes will pop up on your um, on your phone there. And, and let me say, guys, I'm only going to do, I'm going to do verses 1 through 9 today, and it is going to be relatively short. What a great morning to have a shorter message. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be relatively short because I want to end at verse 9 because next week we get into the full armor of God. And we need to spend some time, a little bit of time on that. And chapter 6 is relatively short. And it's, it's almost too short for two weeks, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's too long to, to, to try to push into one. So, so we're going to just hit these, it's a, just a few practical points. I've got four points today that I'm going to give you that he makes in these first nine verses. And, uh, and, and this will speak to all of us uh, wherever we're at. But I want to read these first nine verses all together, and then we'll break it down here in just a couple minutes. But it begins, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> All the parents, amen. How many of you are kids out there and your parents, like mine, made you write that a hundred times, more than a couple times in your life? Filling up sheets with, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> Verse 2, he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters, do the same to them, same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So guys, he's talking about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord in this natural world, and, and living a victorious life. Who wants to live a victorious life in here? He's given us steps to fulfill that. We live in the earth, and we are to make a difference, and we are to prosper in the earth. People think, well, all that applies when I get to heaven. No, it, it's right now. Right now. You have purpose, and God wants to prosper you in, in everything you put your hand to. How many of you know that every one of us is called into full-time service for the Lord? We tend to think it's just a few people out there. It doesn't, guys, the Bible doesn't say, Pastors and clergy go into all the world and make disciples, does it? Not at all. Just because a person is not a pastor or a teacher or a prophet or an apostle or whichever one I just left out, uh, just because of that doesn't mean that you are any less called to full-time ministry than the person who stands in the pulpit or the person who teaches on TV or the evangelist who's out there winning thousands. You have the same calling. Amen? When you go to work and you do your job as unto the Lord, you are in full-time service for the Lord. And you will be rewarded accordingly. Obviously, you're going to get a paycheck when you go to work and you do it as unto the Lord. You're also accruing reward in heaven as you do so, right? God ordains the five-fold ministry gifts to equip the saints to fulfill their purposes, right? Right? 
But how many of you know that God saves the businessman, the businesswoman, to reach the business people in the world? God reaches students to reach students. God reaches factory workers to reach factory workers. Whatever, wherever you may be, wherever he's called you in this, in this life. God has believers in every level of society to be witnesses for him on some level, wherever he has planted them. You want revival? Guys, I believe revival happens when we choose to put aside distractions. We choose to be revived by the word of God and by his spirit. And we choose to take our calling seriously. We recognize who we are. And I, I was thinking, putting distractions aside, how many of you know that, that's huge in the world today? If, if People say, you know, everything today is the same. You know, people are dealing with the same sins, the same issues as they were a thousand years ago. That's true. But I think we have many more distractions today than there have ever been in history. And we've got to be careful of things that, are, that, that we're allowing to take our attention. The victorious life is lived by being filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm going to make a statement here that I think I'm going to put on the screen. And some of you may need to write this down. But I want you to think about this. How you live your life has everything to do with what is filling your heart. How you live your life has everything to do with what you have filled yourself with. The things that are coming out of you, you go, why am I like that? I just hate it when I respond that way. It's because of what you've filled yourself with. Right? Remember chapter 5, verse 18 said, don't get drunk with wine. That is dissipation, but be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. What are you filling yourself with? We're not to be under the influence of the spirit of the world. We're to be under the influence of the spirit of God. And you know, there are a lot of things that in this world that we can let into our heart that will be very detrimental to us will keep us from what God's called us to. If we choose to input what the world says in our lives, it's going to have a negative effect. The way you live your life has everything to do with what you take in and what you fill yourself with. So Paul wants us to see that living by the Holy Spirit, living by the Spirit will impact every area of our natural lives as well. So he starts talking about all these natural things. It's very practical, and it's important because how many of you know, especially as Americans, we're really good at compartmentalizing our lives? My church life, my work life, my friends, my social life, my family life, my, all these different things. Problem is, it, that leaks into our relationship with the Lord as well. Many times we go to church and we feel like because we go to church and we feel like maybe we have a relationship with God there, uh, everything's okay, but we don't have a relationship with the Lord anywhere else in any other part of our life. We think we can have a relationship with God that looks very God-honoring at church or with a group of friends or whatever it may be but then live a life that's not God-honoring the rest of the week? But being filled with the Spirit of God affects your relationship with Him to the point that you begin honoring God in your marriage. You begin honoring God in your relationships. You begin honoring God in how you raise your children. You begin honoring God in how you work. It applies to every area. And we're going to talk today in this, what we saw in verses 1 through 9, he talks about children 
and parents. We're going to talk about employees, and we're going to talk about uh, managers. But all that, all that to say, being filled with the Spirit should impact every area of our natural life. Part, part of that is just bearing fruit, right? If we've been born again and we're walking with the Lord, it should begin to become obvious, right? Because it should begin to come out in every area of our life. If, you, if you've been a Christian for five or ten years and nobody around you knows you're a Christian, you might need to go back and look at whether you really surrendered your life to Jesus in the first place. Right? Four things that, uh, that I get from um, Ephesians chapter 6 that I, I want to I mention real quick. Uh, first thing he mentions there is honor your father and mother. Number one, honor your father and mother. So, verses 1 through 3 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, with promise. What is the promise? That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, some of you heard the message um, that I did two weeks ago. We talked about husbands and wives. And notice here, if you look at verse, um, at verse 1, does it say, children, submit to your parents? What's it say? Obey your parents. Now, last week, two weeks ago, we talked about the difference between submission and obedience. That submission is an attitude, obedience is an action, right? He says, children, obey your parents. He says, just obey, right? And why would that be? Well, submission requires knowledge and wisdom. To have that right attitude We've got to understand things. How many of you know, our children, from the time they're real young, they, they don't have a lot of knowledge and wisdom, right? We didn't. When we were young, we were little, right? Children don't know enough to submit, so they're simply commanded to obey. Understanding will come to them through maturity as they grow, and they will learn to submit and to honor through this. But as parents... Remember, the responsibility goes back to us. As parents, we are required by God to properly train our children up in the ways of the Lord, right? Starts with us. And to train them in the Word, we need to know the Word, right? But how many of you know that obedience is contrary to the nature of children? We were born rebellious, right? You, you didn't have to teach your kid to be selfish, you didn't have to teach them to lie, right? Now, you might have. <laughs> you might have assisted along the way at some points in teaching them to be selfish. But you didn't have to teach them. They got it all right all by themselves. You don't have to teach your kids to throw a tantrum. Oh, this is how you do it. No, they, they do it just fine with no training whatsoever, right? A child is disobedient selfish and self-centered because it's their nature, right? I'm going to read you something. I had to look up, make sure this is valid. I read this a little while back, and it looks like it was published in the year 2000. It was the Minnesota Crime Commission, and they released this in, like say, in the year 2000, and it says, every baby starts life as a little savage, he is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants, when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, even his playmate's toy. Deny him these wants, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. 
They have no problem smacking somebody, poking them in the eye, biting them, right? He is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in this self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his own wants, every child will grow up to be a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. Relax, I'm not calling your sweet little baby a savage. Okay? But how many of you know there's a lot of truth in that? A lot of truth. Children utterly lost and selfish. That's why God gave them you, through the ups and downs, right? right? And just like you, they're desperate for a savior, right? So as parents, we are required, we are commanded to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, and they are commanded to obey, And if children obey their parents, Paul says a blessing comes with it. What is the blessing? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, guys, that's huge because when it says uh, it'll be well with you, the word well, the the Greek word we translate well means good and prosperous in every area of life. Guys, that's huge. How many of you want to be good and prosperous in every area of life? And how many of you want your children to be good and prosperous in every, every area of life? we got to teach them to be obedient, right? we got to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Guys, this means even, even there's even a link to divine health in this, in obedience toward our parents. If you're going to live long on the earth, right? Rebellion against parents is rebellion against authority, and rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. Even Jesus was under the authority of his earthly parents, and he obeyed them. Do you recognize that? And were Mary and Joseph always right? No, they made mistakes along the way, right? And even when Jesus didn't agree as a child, he obeyed his parents, right? Even when they missed it. God established the principles of authority for us to respect those that he has placed in authority over us. We may not always agree, but we are to respect. Children may not always agree with their parents, but they are to respect and obey. Unless, obviously, it's criminal, you know, blatant sin along the way. But really, we should honor and respect our parents all the days of our lives, right? Whether they're right or wrong, no matter whether we agree with them or not. So number one, the first thing he tells us here at the beginning of chapter six, he tells us the importance of honoring father and mother, of being obedient, learning to honor. He's teaching us about authority. And then number two, the next thing he tells us is, do not provoke your children. Number two, do not provoke your children. That's what we find in verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And it's interesting to me here that this is the instruction that Paul gives to parents, because how many of you know, as parents, we have authority over our children's lives, but we better be darn careful with that authority. A lot of responsibility comes with that, right? Parents need to be under the authority of Christ so that we can parent out of reverence for him, as unto him. And notice here, too, that he picks out and speaks specifically to, to, to fathers. Now, it is the father and mother... It, 
Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children right to wrath, right? But he speaks specifically to fathers here. Remember what we talked about last week, guys? God has made you responsible. He holds you accountable for your family. He says, you go first. God wants fathers to be engaged in raising the kids. The biggest problems we see in the world today is fathers are putting that job on the moms. That's her job. With all kinds of, well, I got to work. I do this. I do that. Absent fathers are one of the biggest reasons for the turmoil, turmoil we're seeing in our society today. Huge contributor. So many mothers are desperate for their husbands, or even men around, to get more involved in the raising of their children. Remember, man, again, you are accountable for your family, not your wife. You go first, you set the example. It says, do not provoke your children to wrath. This means don't aggravate them. Now, sometimes we aggravate our kids, right? But here's the thing. Children become angry and aggravated when they're corrected and disciplined without love, without care, without instruction. They also get angry when they keep seeing those in authority over them, leading in word only, not in action, I've actually heard parents say, do as I say, not as I do. That's not going to go well. They're, they're going to become bitter towards you. And they'll recognize it very early on. Another way, another thing we do is we, we, tend to, we tend to tear them down and break their spirit. Guys, God's heart is always to build up and edify and encourage. That's what he does toward us. He does not tear us down. He does not aggravate and, and, and tear us down and break our spirits. We should be the greatest encouragers and the greatest cheerleaders in our children's lives, just as our Heavenly Father's been toward us. Amen? Godly parenting comes out of being filled up with the Spirit of God, not the mess of the world. Having the heart of the Father and doing it out of reverence for him. So the first thing he mentions there is honoring your father and mother. Secondly was don't provoke your children. Number three, he says, work as unto the Lord. Verses five through eight, he says, bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Now, obviously, this is referring to slaves and masters. Um, and many historians, some I, I learned this week, I didn't know before. So historians estimate that about half of the Roman Empire was slaves. Crazy, man. And they're coming to Christ in droves. But masters were as well. But praise God that, you know, slavery is much more rare around the world today. But we need to look at this differently because he actually says bond servants. And many times bond servants in the Bible are people who, who they, they serve willingly. It's not, it's, it's not because they were forced. They, they serve willingly. And that's who we are to the Lord. And so what we really need to do is look at this and, and equate this to um, our work, because that's what he talks about, the way you work, the way you work doing it as unto the Lord. And so we need to look, instead of servants and masters, I want to look at this as like employees and bosses, like labor and management. He said, he said that your boss 
is your master according to the flesh. So this is what you're, this is the daily grind. You go into work and you're making a living and there's somebody that you're responsible to, right? Somebody you're accountable to, somebody that's in authority over you that you're serving under. And it says here that there are masters according to the flesh. And so how many of you know our bosses have no right to dictate the spiritual matters of our life, right? If you come into a workplace and they're like, you're just always, you're, you're, you're just too bubbly and, and, and you, you're always giving God all the credit and, and we just can't keep you here if, if you're going to continue, you know, be, well, no, sorry, it, it's who I am. It's who God has made me. I'm a new creation. You can't work here if you're a Christian. Well, sorry, <laughs> that comes first, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Um, you know, that's when you, again, you respectfully decline and you walk away. Paul's point is that Christians should be the best employers because our work is a reflection of our faith. If you call yourself a Christian, you're a horrible worker at work, given, you're given the witness of a bad eye, a black eye. I mean, you're making Jesus look terrible to those in that environment where God has placed you. Because we're working for Christ, we should be the honest, most honest, hardworking people with the best work ethic. ethic. People who are Christians, they should be servant-hearted to those around them, always respectful to managers. We should be great workers with great attitudes. And how do you know, to even the unbelieving boss, that's highly valued. Highly valued. One of the big difficulties back then, especially when you think of the terms of slaves and masters, but is also an issue today when you think of your work. How many of you know that some managers, some bosses are really hard to work for? Y'all ever had one of those? Makes it very hard to be submissive, to be respectful. But the good news is that we have God's word and our faith in him, and we've been given principles that can help us to walk that out and to see these folks, see these in authority over us the way that God sees them. When you're doing your job as unto the Lord, you've got to recognize that God, first of all, called you to work productively, right? You should be producing in your workplace. God did not call you to witness when you should be working. He didn't call you to be witnessing. I know people, guys, you've got to witness on your own time. I know people who have been fired for witnessing on the job when they should have been working. And they call it persecution. Being persecuted for Jesus, brother. No, you're just ignorant. You're, being, you're, you're trying to be a witness and you're being a bad witness. You're getting paid to do these things you agreed to do. You weren't doing it and instead you're, you're sharing your faith. There's plenty of other times to share your faith. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this. How hard you work is your witness when you're on the clock. Spirit-filled believers, spirit-filled workers should outproduce everybody else on the job. It sh- you should be getting attention. Spirit-filled workers should outproduce everybody. They should arrive earlier and leave later than the others. The boss should want more Christians just like you on the job. That should be what they're looking for. It'll be the greatest witness that you could ever be. This verse is also communicating that we should have one goal in mind. Our goal is pleasing the Lord, Right? As to Christ. It says it a couple times right there. We're working for a greater boss. Right? Our Heavenly Father. When you're doing your job, you do it as unto the Lord. If Jesus is working next to you, would you be working harder? If he was next to you, would you be working harder? 
Well, he is next to you, and you probably should be working harder, right? If you do your job as unto the Lord, you'll not only get a paycheck, but it says you'll get reward in heaven. A paycheck is for the moment, but how do you know rewards in heaven are eternal? And then he says, he says, be obedient to your bosses, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing it willingly, doing the will of God from the heart. Y'all know what eye service is? Working hard when the boss is looking. <laughs> not working when he's not looking, right? You ever heard somebody say, look busy, here comes the boss. You got the wrong heart. It's a wrong attitude. Your ultimate boss is watching. He is there, and we're to do it as unto him. If you're really working to please the Lord, you will exert as much effort when the boss is, is, is away as when he's there. If you work to please the Lord, usually you'll please your boss. And realize this. Guys, it's something else I, I added last night. I was just thinking. Your boss cannot hold you back from getting promoted. Well, it's my boss. I should have gotten that raise. I should have gotten that promotion. Ah, da, 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 da. Your boss cannot hold you back from getting a promotion God wants you to have. Right? We like to blame our bosses and those in authority over us for holding us back. Nope. It's not the way it works. Strong faith and maturity in him believes, listen to this, that your success is in the hand of the Lord, and he is the one who blesses your diligence and your faithfulness and your character. Your boss can't keep you from getting promoted when God wants you to be promoted. One of the best examples we see of that is Joseph, right? What men meant for evil. I mean, one thing after another to this dude happened. But he kept getting promoted everywhere he went. Couldn't help it. God blessed his faithfulness over and over again. If you need a promotion... You don't have to suck up to the boss. You should already be the hardest worker there. Don't be a man pleaser. Work hard. Go to the one, the one that promotes you. Go to the Lord. Present your request to him and know that he'll take care of you on this job or on the next. Where he moves you, he's going to take care of you, right? Honor your father and mother. Don't provoke your children. Work is unto the Lord. And the third thing, fourth, I'm sorry, fourth thing he gives us is in positions of authority, lead under the authority of God. Verse 9 is speaking to bosses and leaders. How many of you know Christian bosses and Christian managers, Christian supervisors, should be the best employers out there? Verse 9 says, And you masters do the same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that your own master is also in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. He's saying, bosses, treat your employees equally. Don't play favorites. He says, stop threatening. Don't bully them. Don't, don't, don't lord your authority over them. If they're not doing their jobs correctly, they're not doing them well, correct them and encourage them. Paul is saying, remember, you have a boss in heaven, Jesus. He runs the body of Christ. He can lead you. He treats every member of the body equally. We're to do so as well as we lead. You treat your employees as Christ treats you. We're to show respect to everyone regardless 
of position. We, we talked about this uh, a couple chapters ago. He talked about being meek and humble, right? Regardless of the authority, the position that you've been given. That's what we have to do. We don't look down on others because we have a position of authority. That's the way the world does things. We are called to be different. And, and really, uh, part of the, the theme that's running through these, these last couple chapters that we've looked at in Ephesians is if you're full of the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, if you fill yourself with the right things, you'll have this attitude of meekness and humility and submission to God. And that'll filter down to those that you lead as well, right? The closer you are to God, the more you respect him, and that causes, uh, causes you to see others the way that he sees them. Jesus gave us the, the heart of servant leadership. I, I'm just going to close with a couple scriptures here, three scriptures. Matthew 20, verse 28. You guys have heard this, but listen to it from the Passion Translation. For even the Son of Man, guys, the Son of God, the third part of the Godhead, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. If you're a Christ follower and filled with the Holy Spirit, that should cause you to be different from the rest of the world. Matthew, um, Mark 10, 42 says, you know uh, that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. But it is not the way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. And then last one, Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Next week, he goes on discussing the weapons of our warfare. And I'm hoping to finish out the chapter. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 see what, uh, we'll see what happens there. We will finish out the book of Ephesians. But how many of you know, when we've surrendered our life to Jesus, our life should be different. And it should spill out into the natural. And that is the beginning of being a witness for the Lord. Amen? Y'all stand up with me. I'm going to close out. I want to invite the worship team to come up. As we close, how do you have enjoyed going through the book of Ephesians and just looking at it line by line? I have too. Man, good stuff. Let's just bow our heads for just a moment. As the worship team begins to play, I want you guys to just press in for a minute. And, I, and, and look, I, I want to give an invitation. If, 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 if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to do so. But I know most of you probably have here, and I just, I just want you to begin to ask and, and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? We've, we've, we've gone through the series. I mean, you, 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 you see the first nine verses of chapter six, but all these other things that he's been speaking to us through the book of Ephesians, I want you to just begin to ask, say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me right now? What, are, what do I need to do in my life? What is the next right step for me? What is, what is the changes that you want me to take? What is the step that you want me to take? And allow him to speak to you, and begin to nudge you, and, and, and begin, to, begin to whisper to you the things that he has for you, the things that, that he's, he has in his heart for you. But if you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, then, 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 then this is your moment, guys. It's, 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 a, it's a great thing to realize that you're desperate for a Savior because he's standing right in front of you. It's a great thing to stop and realize that you're lost and alone and that you need Jesus. If you're here and you haven't bowed your heart to him, if you're watching online and you know that you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. You may even be here and, and recognize that maybe you prayed a prayer one day 
saying, Jesus, come in my heart. But maybe you never really had the attitude of repentance. You never really had the attitude of surrender. And nothing ever changed in your life. Something's not right. And I implore you to stop and to surrender your life right now. Count the cost. (laughs) You're laying your life down. You're allowing Jesus to live through you. But it is so worth it. He will lead you and guide you and equip you to your purpose and you will never be satisfied until you get to that point. And all of his promises, everybody thinks that receiving Jesus is about going to heaven. Not, not, Not really, guys. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you become his very own. God becomes your father. You become part of the family. You're an heir to all the promises of the family. Everything the Bible says, it's yours. Not not when you get to heaven, it's available to you right now. The struggles of life, the things that are so difficult, you've now got your father walking with you. And all of creation bows to him. You have nothing to fear when you have the creator of the universe walking by your side. Amen? Every head bowed. If you're here and you would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today or I need to rededicate my life because I, I, I don't, my life is not surrendered to him. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up right quick. Anybody in this place that says, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Anybody here? Maybe you're watching online. Whether it's today, whether you're watching live or, or you're watching a year from now, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, even through these words, and he's right there in the room with you wherever you may be. I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus today. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That brought separation between us and him. But Jesus went and paid the price for that sin. All you've got to do is bow your heart to him and say yes to Jesus. Give up your life for him. Put away the things of the past, your old self, and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And all things become new in that moment. If that's you, just pray a prayer something like this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am lost and alone, and I recognize that I am in desperate need of a Savior. And I thank you for Jesus, who saw me lost in my sin, saw me utterly bankrupt, and went to the cross willingly, spilling his blood, because of his great love for me. Today I repent of my sin. I turn from it. And Jesus, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and that you rose again. And today you're my savior. You're my master. I come in submission to you this day. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone 
at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. I'm a singer.